0: Here's to
1: the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS enterprise Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS enterprise Welcome to the greatest generation. The Star Trek podcast. But you guys are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica.
0: I'm Ben Harrison.
1: Ben, it is the Monday after the Monday after Star Trek Discovery. I wish we had something to talk about, but because we are recording so far into the future, uh, we will just allow our sister show to do the work for us, won't we?
0: Yeah, those guys over there on The Greatest Discovery, I feel like like they're going to do a great job. I really believe in those two. The
1: Greatest Discovery, of course, a wholly owned subsidiary of Uxbridge Shimoda LLC. <laughs> a show of and for people interested in the conversation about Star Trek Discovery, the new CBS show.
0: God, there's so much going on right now. We're coming to the end of Greatest Gen. Got new Star Trek coming out. New pod, new new format. We're going to go to one a week with our show. Yeah, new city for you. Moving to L.A.? Yeah, mo- and I, like I moved to L.A. Let me just look this up to make sure that I've got this right. I moved to L.A. a week from the day this episode is coming out, which is the day that the last episode of <laughs> The Greatest Generation about Star Trek The Next Generation comes out.
1: You're going to have to trade in all the sweaters for foot-flops, man. That's what you're going to have to do.
0: <laughs> I put out a question on Twitter today. I was, like, looking at my TV, and I was like, do I really want to risk packing this up and shipping it across the country? And so I put it out on Twitter, like, what's the deal? Do I buy a new TV when I get there, or do I do I sh- ship this one and, and keep the TV I've got? Like, more than anything, it seemed like it was a bunch of people that were like, come on, Ben, get yourself a nice TV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's encouraging Yeah
0: So uh, I feel like I feel like uh, You know I'm going to print out Some of these tweets And show them to my wife And see if I can't convince her That this is a great plan
1: Ben if, if I recall correctly you, you have quite a list Going already For this LA move Once you Once you Find a place to live You yeah. are going to get A pebble ice machine As I recall Yeah You are going to get A
0: cat Uh huh And an ice cream maker
1: Oh, an ice cream maker, also. Yeah. <laughs> like a nice one, not like one of those uh, Margaritaville, uh, like iced beverage machines, right?
0: No, what I want is the is not even the one where you put the bucket in the freezer for two days.
1: That's the kind that we have. We've got the the KitchenAid kind.
0: Yeah, which I, is that I want to get the kind that has its own cooling unit built in. <laughs> the kind that is you- ridiculous for a private household to own.
1: You are basically my wife's nightmare because I am very much on your side. I like <laughs> single-use kitchen items <laughs> the 3 times per year that we are able to use them. Yeah. My wife is constantly uh, encouraging <laughs> me not to make those purchases. But yeah. uh it may it seems like you may have a more of an ally in that regard than I do.
0: I think that uh I have I've have found a perfect way to exploit my wife's feelings of guilt about making me move to a city that I would not have chosen for myself.
1: Ben, if you ask anyone what the secret to a happy marriage is, <laughs> it's the exploitation of your spouse's guilt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, the, our our rabbi said that to us when we when we met with him before our wedding.
1: <laughs> That's perfect. Mhm. <laughs> This, uh, this marriage has an extremely high dollar value attached to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was you, uh, you can't
1: just nuke the marriage from orbit.
0: Fucking a. Rabbi Yutanovitz pulled us aside and,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi, has anyone ever confused you for a family therapist? <laughs> uh best of luck Ben I like we haven't talked about what recording schedule is gonna be like but do you have a like sort of a last helicopter off of the roof of your apartment for <laughs> recording pod before you move like do we know that at this point or are we just gonna run it right up until the end
0: I think that my you know like I've got we're recording this a couple of weeks before that day and yeah uh, hard to forecast I think we'll probably get. At least the first few DS9s recorded before I go. That's, That's my hunch.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll just take it as it comes. This has sort of been that kind of production schedule. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it has been a hair on fire kind of month. <laughs> it I can't really has. It. Like, let's. <laughs> It's not the tour's fault, is it? I don't think it's the tour's fault, and yet the tour was a big, big part of it. Like, I went from job to tour to job again, and that really fucked us. I think that... I need to get fewer jobs.
0: The other thing was, like, I was so focused on the tour that, like, I assumed that time wasn't passing back in the world. And, And so, like... I got back from the tour and I was like, man, we don't have anything to prepare for. And then I was like, oh, shit, I have to move my entire life across country. We have to start another podcast. There's a lot on our, on our plates right now. Yeah.
1: It's so interesting that we are starting two new shows basically simultaneously. <laughs>
0: interesting.
1: Yeah, that's the word. Interesting like the episode we're going to review today, Ben. Interesting like... A writer's room that's taken lots and lots of mushrooms. (laughs) It's season seven, episode 23, Emergence. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir.
0: You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Adam, this episode starts with Picard sort of uh, like looking at his phone while Data's (laughs) trying to practice Shakespeare. You know, that that thing where you're, like, trying to be there for your buddy, but it's just so boring that you, you kind of get lost in, you know, seeing if you can't beat that one level of tower defense.
1: Data, like, looked at his costuming and masks and was like, could we do a little better than that for this <laughs> performance? And they full-on, like, Blair Witch him. <laughs> in, in this holodeck performance, he's playing uh, Prospero. Yeah. The Tempest. In a, a in a reference that is very self referential, I feel like. They even talk around it, like one of Shakespeare's last plays, a kind of meditation on final acts, if you will. I feel like this is a show that's sort of describing itself in this moment.
0: It is. It's the kind of like the cliff notes version of self introspection though. <laughs>
1: Much like Picard is looking at his own phone during <laughs> This is an episode where I found that fairly easy.
0: I feel like Data's costume looks amazing when the lights are low, but then a train comes around the bend and they get blasted and like a little overexposed, and then suddenly Data's costume looks like a Vegas lounge act circa 1974.
1: Yeah, it's sort of the same effect that happens when people walk off the holodeck in costume. Like, as soon as you hit the office lights, (laughs) uh, you just look like a fucking buffoon.
0: Yeah, not great. They're talking about Shakespeare and what Shakespeare was thinking about when he wrote The Tempest, and then this train comes, and... It's a real Ghostbusters 2 in the sewer moment, isn't it? Did you catch the number on the locomotive? Sorry, I missed it. Yeah, but in the sewer, it made sense that there would be a train down there, right? <laughs> I guess so. At least at least,
1: location, contextual yeah. sense. And, and Data does not stand on the tracks and allow it to blow through him, like the way Winston does.
0: Yeah. Uh, Data, Data goes ahead and uh, pushes Picard out of the way, and, uh, and he himself jumps after. And Picard takes an abrasion on the face, uh the first of two face abrasions we'll get in this episode.
1: I was thinking the same thing. Like, is there an area on the holodeck door much like a World War II fighter pilot? Like where they're just like hash mark on the face. <laughs> face mark. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. The safeties were off. They could have gotten squished by this train. And uh
1: What a way to go out.
0: Not great.
1: Federation's most valuable. Piece of materiel and captain of its flagship, killed in a freak holodeck accident. Yeah. Cut to credits.
0: Riker sending the report off to Admiral Nechev about that (laughs) has got to be like, oh, God, this looks bad.
1: (laughs) How do you think Nechev takes that? Like it's sort of a good news, bad news
0: thing. Like, does Necheyev say Will? Like, does does she toss Will the keys to the to the ship, or is it like, uh, get your ass back to Earth? Major inquiry time. She was
1: super willing to install a captain of her own during the the Native American repopulation project of a couple episodes ago. Yeah, like, I think she has someone in mind. Why doesn't she just say? She has someone in mind, <laughs> and who it is specifically. I think that would make for a fun bit of conflict if we know who this person is. Yeah, like Jellicoe just waiting in the wings. I don't like you. <laughs> what is Necheyev's relationship to Jellico?
0: Do you think they've fucked? Is that what you're implying?
1: Or I, does he just I mean?
0: Does he just whip out the Torian and canapes or whatever?
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at Jellicoe, I think he's got time for canapes.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he's running a four-shift rotation. He's, uh, he's, he's got a lot of uh, sleepy people on his ship.
1: That canapé game is super tight.
0: <laughs> does that mean that if you're running a four-shift rotation, does that mean at any given moment three-quarters of the ship's crew are not working?
1: If you're running a four-shift shift rotation, does that mean all of your shifts are six hours?
0: I guess it would. That's kind of sweet. I mean, why wouldn't your crew want that? They depict Jellico as being so uptight, but that's great. If you get off, <laughs> if you get off work at like at like three thirty PM. Fuck it, let's go drinking, guys. <laughs> yeah,
1: that sounds good to me. I don't know. I don't know why everyone was so butthurt about that.
0: <laughs> I think it was like literally Riker was butthurt about having to like rejigger his I cal or whatever.
1: Yeah, maybe Riker was the only one with a problem with that. Maybe Riker was the antagonist the whole time in that episode. <laughs> I'd like to watch that episode again through fresh eyes.
0: Yeah, now that we've come to this amazing revelation about what a chill dude <laughs> Jellico actually was.
1: <laughs> Jellico and DeSoto were like best buds at the academy. Like I
0: mean, roommates. He he had he had a catchphrase that was very close to Larry the Cable Guy. That's the kind of vibe he was going for, I think.
1: You know DeSoto was listening to Jellico jerk it in the bottom bunk at the Academy.
0: Yeah. DeSoto's got like an eight shift rotation. He's like, guys, don't <laughs> don't break a sweat. This is just Starfleet. <laughs> There's no money.
1: Everyone works four hours <laughs> with a 45 minute break uh, right in the middle. That's <laughs> how we run the hood. It's how we've always run the hood. <laughs>
0: Um, So we come back from title sequence and Picard and Data decide to shut down holodeck for a while while they figure out what is going on.
1: That could be a really bad moment for anyone who's inside running their program. They (laughs) they only briefly mention it, but much like the last episode where Jason is beamed off of a climbing wall mid-climb. Yeah. Depending on what you're mid-doing on the holodeck, that you could d- be quite a shock.
0: You just smash cut to holodeck 2 and Riker falls a foot and a half from a <laughs> prone position.
1: <laughs> from a standing 69 position, he <laughs> like falls on his head. <laughs> I love the idea that Riker would be the upside down one in a standing 69. Hey man. (laughs) Like his taste is just Amazonian sized women. Like ready to do snoo snoo on him.
0: I don't believe this. (laughs) <laughs> the spirit is willing but the flesh is spongy and bruised
1: like they, they send another uh, another killed in the line of duty message to Nechev about Riker yeah he broke his neck <laughs> I think at that point Nechev might assume command herself <laughs> like that's the top three the top three get killed on the entrepreneur in one terrifying holodeck accident
0: what would it be like to be the people that go into that holodeck and find Riker? <laughs> like rigor mortis has set into the boner that was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a face down in the casket if you're if you're burying Riker. <laughs> uh, that's that's one torpedo that's filled with a single snake. Once you, once you shoot it out into the universe for his funeral.
0: Of all the souls I've encountered in my travels. His was the most horny. So they shut down the holodecks. They uh, get the captain patched up, and uh, what are they like off to? Uh, off to some adventure, and um, and they suddenly go to warp, and the ship is like outside of their control at at warp 7.3 and they're like up on the bridge and they're like data turn the warp off and he's like i can't so they radio down to laforge they've got like i love it when like the the warp engine is really pumping away you know (laughs) yeah it's a very satisfying pump laforge is like is like running around he's like i don't know what the fuck is going on and if i mean we could turn it off but it would mean like a full warp shutdown which would you know it takes a while to get back from one of those more than a week Picard is pretty quick to say, like, well, I, that's what we got to do then.
1: Yeah, we can't just be out here ready to ram the ship into something.
0: Yeah, they don't know where they're going.
1: I was going to say, like, almost as quickly as it starts, their jump to speed stops. And Picard's like, hey, Geordi, great job with that, <laughs> that was, slamming of the brakes.
0: That was really quick. You really you really nailed it.
1: Geordi uh, does not take the credit for this solution. Well done, Mr. Forge.
0: I love the camera work in this episode especially in engineering because it's like like Geordi, like pushing himself back from his computer and he's like I don't know what the fuck just happened the camera like like turns around his head so you can to reveal the warp core It's great yeah
1: I believe this is Cliff Bolay in his last Tng episode oh really yeah he is uh he's the director who directed the most Tng episodes. Wow. Mr. Cliff Bolle.
0: I mean, I thought that uh, the directing of this was a lot of fun. Yeah. TBH. It stood out to 25 me.
1: 25 TNG director credits for him. He has wow. 7 in DS9 and 10 in Voyager. The guy's a titan. Yeah. And he looks like a great guy. You look at his uh, file photo. like <sighs> he, uh, he looks like he's in the Parrot Army or whatever... The fucking people who like Jimmy Buffett call themselves. He's
0: wasting away in Margaritaville. Yeah. He oh, He looks man. like a guy
1: who would enjoy a nice frozen beverage with you.
0: I, uh, last weekend, as of this recording, went to the uh, ash scattering of my uncle, who for 35 years was in recovery from alcoholism, and I yeah. walked out onto the beach where we were holding the ash scattering. And, like, people from his, his Quaker meeting had set up music to play while it was going down. And the song selection that they had picked was Margaritaville. In accordance with what we think your dying wishes might well have been. <laughs> what? I came very close to just going and, like, yanking the cable out of the, out of the amp from the fucking guys. And <laughs> you know, I was like, you guys didn't know him at all. How sure are you
1: that those were his wishes? That was the song that followed that shots, 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 shots <laughs> <song>? <laughs>
0: Hey, now that you're dead, your struggle with this chemical addiction uh, is a fun joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, fortunately, they finished the song before my father came out, or I think it would have been pretty bad.
1: Yeah. No kidding. Come on, guys. Not a good look. Together,
0: they uh, they're like, well, what the hell was that about? Our ship is out of control, and uh, we're also having holodeck problems. And Jordy and Data come up with this kind of it's it's not a solution but a lead, which is that there are there's evidence in the ship sensor that there was a theta flux distortion building up around the ship that would have ripped the ship apart. Uh, if if it had built up anymore, and if they hadn't gone to warp right when they did... We would have been blown to pieces. And they say, Adam, our sensors don't scan for this thing. So it's amazing that it, we even have it in the sensor log. Is this a real thing that they have to... Like... If it can just without warning destroy the ship, wouldn't you want to be aware of it?
1: Is this what This is so stupid. Like <laughs> if it's if it's possible to scan for something that could destroy your ship at any moment, why don't they scan for it? It's like they choose not to.
0: It's like they got to 5 minutes before they would have finished the invention that would have scanned for theta flux <laughs> distortions. Yeah. And then went on lunch break.
1: It's like the Enterprise was sitting on top of a jacuzzi jet when they weren't supposed to, and then they could have had their assholes ripped out of them. (laughs) (laughs) The idea of this is terrifying, and what's weird about how everyone plays this is, like, they don't play it as a, oh, well, we should really start scanning for this shit in the future. They They don't really postulate that. They also don't talk about how great it is like that that they came with within a hair of dying and they survived like yeah. there's no sort of like this is a thing that happens all the time on this show like there's no recognition of the wonder of the circumstance right like this seems worthy of a whoa that's <laughs> that's great good little ship and then like give the ship a little pat on the wall like yeah she sure got us out of that pickle
0: Like, the next scene is Jada and Jordy like, doing some Jeffrey tube crawls, and they're like, yeah, I wonder how that happened. Maybe the ship picked up on it and warped because of some safety system. Which is like, wait, what? Like,
1: (laughs) If that's possible, then that changes everything.
0: Don't you think the operations officer and the chief engineer would be aware of a system such as that?
1: I mean, you could extrapolate that. That if the ship were capable of doing that, then why wouldn't it like fire on random shit that it saw as a threat? Why didn't it shoot? Why wouldn't it shoot a Damon Box probe in the last episode?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like it's like it's one thing if I discover that I can put my iPhone in low power mode no matter what the battery level is because it's, like, buried in a menu somewhere. It's another thing for the chief engineer and the operations officer of a starship to be unaware of a system that can trigger warp warp speed because the ship is automatically trying to get them away from a threat. Geordi's like a guy who bought a...
1: In our world, he's like a guy who bought a camera but didn't read the instructions before taking it out on a shoot and is surprised to see that it records without hitting the record button. Like, he uh, he didn't read the manual on the ship, and so he can't confirm or deny the idea that the ship will just do this. Yeah, And that's the most troubling part.
0: So they find this Giga looped into all these ship systems in... The Jeffries tube. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like six crazy straws all interacting with each other.
1: Yeah, it sure is.
0: Man, you know that web that website Think Geek that does all those licensed office toys. Mm-hmm. They sh- they should do a, a crazy straw based on the uh, <laughs> based on the emergence <laughs> thing. That would be great. I would fucking buy that shit. <laughs> It's a straw so
1: large and complex that, like, it would drain an entire drink into it before you even got to taste any of it.
0: <laughs> Only Riker can can derive enough suction to pull liquid through it.
1: <laughs> and even then, he's got to be upside down to do it. Yeah, gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Riker just has hiccups all the time.
0: It's a... so these things are all over the ship they're like they show like a diet diagram of the ship and it looks like infested and they're yeah. like this is all concentrated on one of the holodecks so let's go down there and see what's going on maybe we can maybe we can like shut it down at the source and they go down to the holodeck program is running it's actually several programs and uh so they they go through the door and they're on a train.
1: Riker even has the the throwaway line before they go in. Like this should be interesting. <laughs> like I think I think he has an idea of what's going to be behind that door and he has to be a little disappointed at what they see.
0: <laughs> yeah, several programs are running. So Riker's like, "What are the odds it's not at least a couple of mine?"
1: Like, it's two train cars 69ing each other. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, the three walk through that, that door that, that goes in between train cars and arrive in some sort of, like, saloon car.
0: Yeah. This looks like a fancy way to travel, man.
1: Yeah, it's a very nice interior train car scene. And you've got, like, some disparate character work happening here. You've got... A knight in a suit of armor. You've got sort of a Wyatt Earpy type figure.
0: Yeah, you've got a, a rustic. You've got a flapper. You've got a man in a gray flannel suit.
1: Yeah, you got all the great minor characters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you've got all of the great, uh eh, we have this costume on the Paramount lot.
1: Giant nude Amazonian woman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like she... doing
1: a come-hither finger to Riker.
0: She's there, of course. Uh, (laughs) And uh, David Huddleston, the conductor, comes in. Please
1: have your tickets ready.
0: One of the greats. Yeah. Wearing (laughs) Hudsucker. Walks in asking for everybody's tickets, and he's in a conductor uniform. And uh, he kind of ignores the crew at first. And uh, while he's ignoring them, Data is like, oh, here's the, uh, here's the panel in the floor of the holodeck where I get at the power. I'm just going to open this up and turn everything off, and uh, that'll be great. And uh, like as he's, as he's doing that, it gets the conductor's attention, and he's like, hey, you guys, you guys are going to have to give me tickets or I'm throwing you off this train.
1: The bombs will always lose!
0: And uh, into the fray leaps the conductor, who insists that these people are here to help and um it's like a it's like a real conflict between the conductor and and the uh and the engineer um engineer played by a real another that guy in his own right thomas Copacci. he's been in a bunch of things
1: this guy plays the catheter to cowboy from <laughs> From the last week tonight ads. Yeah. He's great. And there's two things I know. I don't like pain when I calf. And the nuclear triad consists of land-based missiles, submarine-launched missiles, and aerial bombers.
0: That's because I think we were talking about the fact that he has a little role in No Country for Old Men. Yeah, the part with
1: the boots. How are those Larrys holding up? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love this guy. Yeah, man, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, he really disappeared into that engineer part. That fucking
0: engineer part is great. He really like he really kills it.
1: If you're an actor who plays parts like this, this has got to be one of the greats because it's one day of shooting. Yeah, you it's get to... a super toothsome scene for you as an actor, and then you get killed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he gets killed real by fun. by like a mafioso. The cowboy doesn't kill him. I thought the cowboy does. No, it's the uh, it's the like you know, oh, this guy's a friend of ours kind of guy.
1: Oh right, like the uh, like the Godfather's Pizza spokesman or whatever. Do it. He's a real pizza place tough guy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think you're thinking of the world's shittiest Kurt Russell character <laughs> who who doesn't wind up having any lines.
1: Yeah, that guy's airsets, erp.
0: <laughs> um so so they uh they... I'm just
1: going to touch every possible episode title there is as we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm licking all of them.
0: Lick all so the that cookies. they're mine. <laughs> Adam, I I spent 30 minutes on the phone yelling at our bank. Uh, before <laughs> before we got on So I'm not going to be coming up with any good quips I'm just going to sit here and drink my sorrows away
1: um, you doing great Ben
0: What are you drinking by the by? I'm having some Sierra Nevada Pale Ales Look at you
1: Hey do you feel uh, A lot of booze pressure To empty bottles before the move And like make that part Of your move easier Because I know the last time my wife and I moved we definitely felt the need, and we just moved across town, to, like, have a party. <laughs> Get some stuff drank.
0: I have, You feel any of that? I have an unfinishable amount of booze uh, <laughs> due to my off-and-on career as a cocktail influencer. Beer is for breakfast, here. Drink or be gone. Unfortunately, I'm going to be shipping a lot of bottles.
1: You know who else is a cocktail influencer?
0: Bill Cosby. Mm.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, Ben. I just think
0: that's a great title. The number of concern trolling tweets we're going to get about that.
1: Is concern troll the the worst kind of troll to you? I, in, in some ways, I respect a straight up troll troll more <laughs> than a concern
0: troll. I don't think we get much troll trolls. We pretty much only get concern trolls. Yeah. Yeah the crew like bounces off of this train because they don't have tickets and like data and Geordi head down to engineering with Riker and explain to him that the holodeck is running the show for now. And it's a great, like it's a great Riker eyes to commercial. Like one of the greatest (laughs) it's, it's almost like sending Riker eyes to commercial off into the wild blue yonder.
1: (laughs) It's like, bottle Riker eyes like we've got we're saying goodbye to all the hits this last season yeah yeah that's very true it,
0: it might be my favorite like I think it might be the best Riker eyes to commercial in the series it's that good
1: is he semi wall-eyed during because my favorite wa- Riker eyes to commercial are also when the camera gets too close so close that one eye goes in one direction and one <laughs> eye goes in the other <laughs>
0: It's, For me, that's my flavor.
1: That's just something that I enjoy.
0: Call me crazy. It's like a it's like a medium shot and <laughs> uh and he just looks fucking floored the entire time. I love the
1: idea of giving him the gavel to commercial because he articulates so few concerns about this entire scene and yet he probably <laughs> is the character with the most concerns. Yeah. Like, he's the one in the background secretly, like, oh, God, (laughs) they're they're finally going to know everything. (laughs) My life will never be the same.
0: We come back, and we are in a McLaughlin group, and Data has come up with some visual aids to show what brain stems look like, and he is demonstrating that the gigas that are... Embedding themselves in systems all over the ship are configured in a in a neural network configuration, and so he's suggesting that they need to kind of like let this let this uh, scene play out as they figure out you know what's going on. It seems like the ship may have developed some sort of intelligence, and while it's still like you know, a primitive intelligence. It's, it's uh, within their charter is allowing these things to go down.
1: They sort of gloss over the conflict that they've had many times on this show before about emergent life forms, which is the conflict between we should kill it because it poses a threat to our lives and we should uh, instead lay back and study it.
0: It's weird because, like, they've definitely talked about this a bunch of times, but it kind of, this scene kind of plays like whoever wrote the episode, like, read, like, a pamphlet about emergent properties in science and wrote an entire episode about their flimsy-ass understanding of it. Did you notice that Worf was standing
1: up during this meeting? Why is that? Like they they shoot all of the question and answer shots tight, like in close up, yeah. including Worf. But you can tell Worf is standing. Is yeah. there not a seat for
0: Worf? There's a wide shot that shows everybody assembled, and it is yeah. It's it's weird. It's they're they're weirdly configured. Maybe Worf was like, <laughs> do you think there's like a deleted? first part of the scene where Worf, like, can't see over Riker, so he, like, just gets out of his chair. <laughs> I wonder if
1: Worf is continuing to have kid problems, and he's, like, showing up late for meetings, there's no seat left for him, this is an ongoing concern.
0: No, 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 Adam, he promised not to let his personal life interfere with his duties.
1: I'm sure everything will be
0: great then. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be cool. My love is a
1: he's Troy decides to like lead another expedition into the holodeck, right?
0: Yeah, she's gonna see like what happens when she talks to the characters, and you know, give, do do this more as like a a stranger in a strange land visiting with the with the characters. Everything is and that's going down in the holodeck has something to do with these objects that are that are. You know, appearing all over the ship So she wants to talk to them and see if she can't get a sense of what they're after
1: This is a plan that's different from the first plan Because in the first plan, Data was just going to bring a wrench to the train (laughs) and, And start, like, busting shit up In this way, Troy just wants to see if the program will articulate what it wants Instead of just running roughshod over it and trying to, you know, affect a solution that way
0: what they didn't do is replicate up some tickets for this one, <laughs> uh, which no they knew they knew was going to be an issue, and uh, so they go on and like there's like a puzzle that some of the characters are doing, and it looks exactly like one of the things that's plugged into the ship. But she's like, they're all like, "What? Di- what could this be? I don't. I've never seen anything like it." I guess Wharf and Troy weren't the ones of the Jeffries tube, so maybe they haven't seen one. But like. Ge- Jordi and Data saw it and Data's there
1: shouldn't that have been something that they brought up during the meeting <laughs> yeah. like even as just a one last thing like oh yeah we also ran into this uh, this shape may or may not be important later
0: yeah anyway well they uh, they arrive at Keystone City and they come up out of the subway so apparently this train is a subway <laughs> <laughs> It's the 7th Avenue line of the IRT if uh, anybody is uh paying attention. It's like uh,
1: Now, I haven't been there before, Ben. Is that where the Orient Express goes? Mhm.
0: Yeah. It it goes okay. through the back lot fake Manhattan that they probably also use in the Seinfeld program. Oh yeah. Here's a here's interesting trivia. No new sets were needed for this episode. The train set was a reuse from Bram's, Bram Stoker's Dracula and the uh, and Paramount's standing New York City street set was used for Keystone City. There you go. Yeah, so it is like Irzotz Manhattan with no cars and no people. It's like uh, the cheap version of doing this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they find like a manhole cover, and Data's like, "This is cool. This I can I can access the power from here. Maybe I can disconnect these little jobbies from the ship without hurting them." Uh, meanwhile. Troy and Wharf run off after the mafioso, who they find shoving this gold brick into a like the last empty brick hole in a wall, and uh, it like lights up. It's like a, a real MacGuffin situation. And uh,
1: I haven't ever built a brick wall before, but is that how you do it? You leave you leave bricks. Leave bricks unbricked in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you're building a brick wall on a holodeck simulation, <laughs> you don't necessarily have to build that wall the way you would in the real world. For me, I like to build a fantasy brick wall, leaving portions of the brick exposed, holes in the wall itself, and lines that are less than 90 degrees square.
0: OSHA regulations require hard hats in any bricklaying context, but for this job, we're not wearing them so that it can be extra dramatic when the ship starts shaking and a bunch of bricks fall on Counselor Troy, <laughs> operating her face in exactly the same place as Captain Picard early in the episode.
1: Now with any jab site face abrasion, <laughs> you're going to want to go to your nearest OSHA-approved first aid kit. <laughs> you want to use Hard, even pressure on the wound to stop the bleeding.
0: <laughs> I had a I had a job for like nine months last year, and part of what uh, I was asked to do was set up a little production studio, a little mm-hmm. studio space in a Manhattan office, and um, I like I set it up, and like the like building operations guy in our office came around and. Like noticed that I had put a fire extinguisher and first aid kit on the wall near the door, and he was like, mm-hmm. "How'd this get here?" And I was like, uh, "I ordered it for the studio because you kind of want those things." And he was like, "Fucking super impressed." <laughs> I feel
1: that way on like when I do event video production. Yeah. Like anytime, anytime home base has that stuff around. It automatically feels like it's a professional production. Like even though those are things that should be on every set. Yeah. Like seeing them seeing them out in the open, I mean, is an especially good feeling.
0: Yeah, it's the kind of operation I want to run, you know? Yeah. Well, anyways, there's a uh, there's a th- a thing that looks like the puzzle piece or a bigger version of the thing Jordi and Data found on the Jeffries tube that is like taken form in the cargo bay.
1: Question is, what is it?
0: The ship is using like the transporter and the replicator. It's like tying systems in together to like make this thing happen. So, uh Data is like trying to shut off the power and and like a a taxi cab has tried to hit him a couple of times, so he's like he's doing a a fun like Data feat of strength, where he has a hand on the bumper of the car while he like flips a switch, and it
1: felt very Superman in Metropolis to me. Totally, you
0: know? yeah. And uh, he hits the switch, and like things really go to shit. Like the ship are shaking, bricks fall on Troy, uh, the device in engineering starts like giving them troubling readings on their tricorders, uh, so so they get word to data to like cut it out with with polarizing the power or whatever and he stops and uh and like the ship barely like doesn't fall apart
1: yeah crisis averted i guess
0: just barely
1: it feels almost medical at this point like the uh the conflict right the stop doing what you're doing and then the consequence is this other bad thing will stop happening too right
0: yeah, they they've uh, they've definitely found a causal relationship with fucking with the object and the ship getting worse and worse. But like, it is scary, right? Like, the ship is a hundred percent out of their control, and they're like, like we don't want to fuck with these things, but we do want to be able to like not die.
1: Yeah, like, we'd like to be able to breathe for longer than two hours, which is eventually, like, the point where they get. They're like, hey, studying it is cool and everything, but this thing is taking all of the systems and reorienting them into its mission of creating this thing.
0: Yeah, like, it's trying to fly to a star that is full of Verdeon particles, and if it can, like, suck Verdeon particles out of the star, it will be able to, like, finish whatever project it is embarked on and they fly to like the first one and like it's not as many as as many verdeon particles as is hoped so the uh the hud is like fuck this is in vertiform (laughs) city and uh and they're like well we know like a like a, a dope shortcut on this vertiform city shit and so they're trying to like they're basically trying to convince the emergent intelligence to let them steer the ship toward a nebula where they know that they can make more verdeon particles like they can shoot modified torpedoes into this nebula and it'll generate as many verdeon particles as these crazy straws need to make their uber crazy straw because if they go to where the aliens want to go they're gonna they're gonna run out of air i am the cutest of all so they go back in and they've remembered to replicate tickets this time and they tell uh they tell the big Lebowski like, Listen, dude, we're uh we got a great plan for how to get to Vertiform City. It's a shortcut and uh you just gotta let us up to that up to that car at the front of the train. <laughs> and so it winds up with data like like turning wheels and cranking cranks to to steer the Enterprise to this nebula that they found.
1: Yeah, that those gears and levers correspond to ship's functions is a really fun moment, I thought. And that he would, like... as like, soon as he pulls the speed brake, like, the ship drops out of warp.
0: Yeah, and that he would know, like, which ones to pull and, like, you know, yeah. where, to, where to leave them and stuff.
1: I'm surprised Troy didn't know how all those gears work, given her knowledge of post-colonial culture and technology.
0: <laughs> but Hudsucker is very, very pleased. Are you
1: surprised at my tears, sir?
0: As is Gangster Boy. Do it. And they, like, I, I guess, like, the ship, like, sucks in all the all the Verdeon particles it needs. Picard and the Doctor and uh, Will and Geordi head down to the cargo bay to check out the giant crazy straw on the floor of the cargo bay and it uh it does a a classic tng like float up and then like emerge from the ship without you know like it can just go right through walls man (laughs) and it floats away this is the thing
1: that's happened half a dozen times on this show.
0: I know. Little little sparkly
1: guy goes through the wall and leaves, never it, to be seen again.
0: It, it's like an obscure clause in some contract that every season of the of the series has to have a point of light emerging from the ship and floating away in space.
1: <laughs> they always never see it again, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, you n- you never get any follow-up on these guys. Damon Bach, sure, we'll get some follow-up <laughs> on him, but... <laughs> yeah,
1: ridiculous.
0: And then they have a big party on the train.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you save the day, I suppose you want to stay around on your weird holodeck program and have some martinis, right? Got to. Mission accomplished.
0: The button on the episode is Data coming in and going like, well, we let that thing, like self derive and then float away but we have no idea if it's like a good creature or an evil creature and picard is like well you know like it it didn't just self uh, form it like it formed itself out of our own ship so it's had access to all of our our logs and our all of our experiences are its experiences and hopefully if we've uh, if we've lived honorably it will It will have, like, a positive future. You know what other beings
1: had access to all of his memories and feelings? Are the Borgs. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't change their minds about anything W slash R slash T genocide. Or the Nubbin' Bugs. The Nubbin' Bugs knew everything about the Federation, and they're still evil and out there. Where do you get off, Picard?
0: I wish as he was talking about like all of our our hopes and dreams if the camera had panned over to reveal that Riker was sitting there on his couch just like finger in collar like <laughs> ooh <laughs> <laughs> it seemed especially interested in the holodeck oh no <laughs>
1: It's now it's just free to roam the galaxy looking for things to fuck. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben?
0: I do like this episode. Like, uh, I think that it stubs its toe on a lot of dumbness at the beginning, but it's kind of uh, it's kind of like the best case scenario with fun in the holodeck. I think mm. where like the the characters tend to be like pretty fun and like the they don't get caught up in it being a costume drama in an annoying way
1: yeah boy it walks right up to that line of ham and cheese and just doesn't succeed in quite jumping completely over it the way it so often does in holodeck eps
0: yeah so so in that way i think it's like it's pretty fun and there's some really fun camera work in this like there's a shot in engineering at one point that is like Jordy in Shimoda corner, like, th- and it's through the, through that window, but from the second level of engineering. So like the warp core is like soft focus in the foreground mm-hmm. and Jordy is like deep in the background. And it's like yeah. one of the most layered shots and it's like a shot we've never gotten, but it's yeah. so cool. It's so cool to see this set from an angle we've never seen it from at like like three episodes from the end of the series
1: that there are still new ways to shoot this set i think is a real treat sometimes to see i like the episode too but it's one of those eps that i hardly remembered before watching it this time and i don't know if i would go and seek out and watch again like you know sometimes when i want to watch tng i'll like go find a favorite episode or an episode that i remember as being interesting but Mm -hmm. like this would never fall into either category. Like, I don't know that I would go seek it out if it wasn't in the order that I needed to watch this show. So, that's my review, I guess.
0: Well, Adam, do you think we should uh, go check out if we have any Priority One messages? Yeah, let's do that. Priority One
1: message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a
0: supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship.
1: Ben, our first Priority One message is from Robert Jason Harris, alleged bad hygienist, <laughs> astrologer to John Ersprung Esquire, and all-around badass. <laughs> it is for Andrew Wade Nadolski, Olympic gold medalist in polar region trolling and genital wart size. Oh, jeez. God, You know, like, they're using first, middle, and last name like they're both serial killers. (laughs) message goes like this. When you left for pole, I shed a single tear, unaware you'd make it my childhood Halloween costume. Angry condom head fat Picard. My second most embarrassing TNG-related memory. Can't wait for you to get back so we can porch beer and send each other ASCII middle fingers over stable internet. (laughs) <laughs> Go fuck yourself with the dwindling Ross Ice Shelf. Megan says hi. <laughs> Did I read that right? That sounded that sounded difficult at times. And you left for pole.
0: I think Andrew Nadolsky actually wrote us about how he's at the South Pole. He's grilled cheese guy, right? I think he uh I think he like had us give his friends in Chicago a shout out. Is that the same yeah, guy? I remember or,
1: that, too. That's got to be the same guy.
0: Or do we have more than one listener in the polar region, Adam? Are we dp the polar region?
1: I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I think you definitely know when a single viewer is in the polar region. When two viewers are in the polar region... That can be an uncomfortable moment
0: Yeah your eyes start to cross and you just sort of like Lose track on reality
1: (laughs) You go eyes crossed to Commercial
0: (laughs) Adam our second uh, priority One message here is from Jonathan And it's for Aaron It goes like this You kick like a red bull Stun and kill with your Smile all are weak To your charm Resistance is futile. Also, you're a wicked awesome badass. Just saying. Hey, that's nice. That is a sweet message.
1: That's a nice message after a potentially not nice message. <laughs> I like it when it works out that way.
0: Yeah. I, I wonder if Jonathan and Aaron are, like, good friends or lovers. Hmm...
1: Impossible to know. We can only speculate. We can only speculate and come to the conclusion that yes. (laughs) Yes, they are. Uh, Well, if you have a message for a friend, enemy, or lover of the personal nature, you can have us read that message live on the air by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Personal messages are $100. And commercial messages... Which seek to commercialize your product or project <laughs> are two hundred dollars. They're a great way to support the ongoing production of this program. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey Ben.
0: What's that, Adam?
1: Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk, drunk Shimoda!
0: Shimoda! Oh boy, I had a I had a big time drunk Shimoda in this one, Adam. Um they get into that train car the second time. And they really want to work on depolarizing the power or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Data says to Worf and Troy, like, and specifically he says to Worf, distract these holodeck characters while I do this because they got pretty lit the last time. What does Worf do? Sits down and gets involved in a puzzle. <laughs> Worf is going to be such a great old when he gets there. <laughs> hey,
1: uh, you guys puzzling? <laughs> I love how they treat him, too. Like, Worf, Worf asks something stupid, like, so what is it? And they're like, it's a puzzle, dumbass. <laughs> I know. I'm into
0: puzzles. I'm asking what the picture is.
1: Ben, it occurs to me that as we wrap up the Greatest Generation next generation version, all of these Shimodas toward the end really have implications in terms of season seven, Master Shimoda, and series wide Shimoda. So it is with some knowledge of of how the scoring is going that I'm also going to give my Shimoda to Wharf. I feel Whoa. like Worf has gotten a lot of these <laughs> throughout season seven and also the series. Uh but I'm gonna give it to him for a different moment. They uh they board the train, and I think it's the the time when when Worf and Troy and Data are on board that the conductor's like, "We could use some help in the in the locomotive." And Data and Troy are like, "Well, Worf, you're the you're the biggest and strappingest of all of us. Why don't you go <laughs> shovel some fucking coal?" And the look on Worf's face is one of recognition and humiliation. <laughs> He recognizes that he's the one most suited to shoveling coal. There's also some amount of humiliation to the idea that this is what best serves the mission. Yeah. Him doing manual labor in the locomotive and the look on his face. That fucking look. He's so crushed. He sort of eye rolls. He's in profile, so you don't see the eye roll, but it's definitely there. So yeah, Wharf, double Shimoda, different times.
0: Rock and roll, Worf.
1: In an episode that may put him up over the top. I don't know. We'll just have to see what the scoring is at the end of the season.
0: <laughs> can only wait till Colin Dinsmore finishes his tabulations.
1: Are we doing Shimodas for Deep Space Nine and Discovery? I feel like Shimoda yeah. is something that we should bring forward. Shimoda is in the DNA of our show. Yeah, we can't not do Shimodas. Yeah. How are we supposed to know who's having the most fun or acting the weirdest?
0: I would say that the character Jim Shimoda is timeless. Agreed. Is beloved. Cosine. And should not be abandoned like some something that was TNG only. Concur. Darmok, Angelad, and Tanaga. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
1: A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to Microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's Microdose.com and the code is SCARVES.
0: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Drive.
0: (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
1: Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode?
0: The next episode is Season 7, Episode 24, Preemptive Strike. Rolaren... Forced to choose between her loyalty to Picard and her hatred toward Cardassia, when she accepts an assignment to infiltrate the Maquis,
1: I'm so glad we're going to bring that drop back.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun.
1: Has Ro been in anything this season?
0: This man, I don't know. This maybe it feels
1: f- her, like it's been a long time. Her
0: season seven debut. <laughs>
1: I love that they give her a goodbye. This is one of the great episodes in season seven, I think. Is this the penultimate episode? Is this the episode before All Good Things? It is. Wow. I can't believe it. We're really coming to the end, man.
0: I, uh, one time in college was uh, working on a, a screenplay project and... I uh, presented a version of, of the screenplay uh, in in class, and like we would read them aloud. You'd, you know, you like cast mm-hmm. all the characters, and uh, mm-hmm. before I got my like feedback from the professor in the class, I said, "I'm hoping this is the penultimate draft i'll do uh, I'll do of this of this screenplay." And my professor said, "What do you mean by that?" And I said, "Well, you know, like I'll take your feedback now, and I'll do one more draft, and then." Hopefully that'll be it. And he said, good answer. And it was very clear in saying good answer that he didn't think I knew what penultimate meant.
1: Oh, boy.
0: (laughs) Think about that moment a lot.
1: He was attempting to get you ensnared in a penultimate trap.
0: He really wanted to embarrass me in front of the class.
1: What a jerk.
0: Yeah. I loved that professor, though. He was so good.
1: He was firm but fair,
0: he was firm but fair, and I knew he hated me, but I loved his class.
1: <laughs> I love the idea that a that an educator could hate you <laughs> and your personal feelings on them would be that's fair yeah I, that's, I, I could see how you could hate me
0: i i I know exactly why this doesn't work for you, but i appreciate <laughs> I appreciate all the things that you are teaching me. <laughs>
1: Is that the way you absorbed breakups, too? Like, girl breaks up with you? Yeah, that checks out.
0: A hundred percent, Adam. Every time I've ever been told by a woman that she's not interested in seeing me anymore, it's been like, yeah, this math problem finally has the answer it was looking for.
1: It's why I so rarely fight those moments at the time. Because the reasoning is so sound.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You're not wrong. (laughs) setting aside the idea that for all the kiddos out there struggling through relationships, you should never be in a position to convince who you're with that they should be with you. Oh, but the idea of at the moment of breakup, there being any moment where you could be like, but that's, that's not true. That's, that's not me. I can be better. You never want to be that guy. You are who you are. And, Every single time I've been broken up with, that is that has been my re- reaction like Yeah, you got me. You found me out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what how did you describe that teacher as viewing you? I would say that uh like he was a he was a professor that had kind of three tiers in the class. There were like you know like the in the in the sections where where it was like only twenty of us, there were three or four kids that were people that he obviously thought had talent and uh and admired their writing. And then there were like a big group of kids in the middle where it was just kind of like, Okay, you're in this class, you're gonna like learn the shit I say to you but I don't really care about you. And then there was me and like maybe five or six other kids that it was just like you are beyond help you are idiots and i can't believe i have to fucking waste my time on you
1: i'm going to humiliate you
0: yeah like were
1: was it, anyone in the top tier not a girl that he wanted to fuck
0: <laughs> yeah no like there were like it was a screenwriting class in a in in like, I don't know, sophomore year of college. And there were like, there were kids writing scripts in that class that I was like, holy shit, this is a fucking great script. I would totally watch this movie. You know, like I hadn't, I hadn't gotten there yet. And I still haven't gotten there, you know. Like I've never written a script that I would want to see a movie of.
1: <laughs> when I was in, I'm almost positive this was my freshman year in college. I took a short story writing class. Mm-hmm. And this was like... You remember when you you were signing up for classes in freshman year and you were like, I cannot believe I get to select a class where I write (laughs) short stories. This is so fucking great. Yeah. I was so pumped for it. And I get in there and the teacher has a fucking scarf and it's 90 degrees out. It's like that sort of class. Like it's, it's peak English class. And everyone in the class is super serious and like... Like their short stories are like they were meant to be published in something that wasn't McSweeney's, and I wrote a short story that was basically a short action movie. <laughs> <laughs> like it, my, I basically wrote Taken. Yeah, as a short story. Sure. And. <laughs> And we all had to share our stories in class. Like, we all had to read our own stories in front of everyone. I have and a very class... particular
0: set of skills that makes me a nightmare for college professors like you.
1: I'm, like, eighth on the day in, in reading. And I've heard, I've heard eight different versions of, like, of stories of lost loves and death of parents and, like, and like adulterous adults and we finally get to me and like three paragraphs in a guy has popped the emergency exit on an aircraft while it's in the air and and is like and has turned his seat into an airsats parachute as he's like hurtling towards the ground the looks on people's faces in this class as i read that stupid fucking story Here's the, You want to hear the, the, the damnedest, the damningest of fate praise that you could possibly hear after that was the, the, the bescarfed pr- professor holding the four beats after I finished my story and going, well, short stories can be about a lot of things, class. <laughs> 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 they certainly can teach. <laughs> pretty brutal good times (laughs) (laughs) well Ben uh one of the best times (laughs) of any podcast is when we uh we express our gratitude for the people who got us here uh most notably one dark materia who's designed and created our theme and interstitial music and Adam Ragusia who's uh made so much of our other music that we've come to enjoy
0: indeed uh Come follow us on Twitter. It's at Cut for Time for Adam and at Benjamin R, A-H-R for me. And we use the hashtag GreatestGen for all of the jokes on there. And it is a real fun hang on Twitter. And no less on Facebook and Reddit. We've got a great Facebook group, a great Reddit sub, like our Facebook page. Um, and uh, what else? A oh, great Wikia that has uh, forensic discursiveness on our Various inside running jokes and with that we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that might turn on Max Fun at the last moment and become a member of Feral Audio
1: hey uh any, any network that has Doughboys on it is a great <laughs> network in my mind
0: yeah, it's probably pretty good. Make it so. Make it Captain the the Oh, and there's a great Wikia that has, uh, like, forensic <laughs> discursion. A f- forensic... A <laughs> oh, great Wikia that has uh, forensic discursiveness on our various inside running jokes. Stuck the
1: landing. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.